My name is Dominique Drew, and this is The Art of Attraction, the premier podcast to elevate your relationships, your life, and yourself. I'm your host, Dominique Drew, an intuitive, a spiritual guide, and a seasoned expert in men's relationship coaching. I've used the methods in this podcast to completely transform my own life and relationships, and now, high performers in every industry hire me to help them do the same. Here, you will learn how to solve the issues in your inner world which keep you from real fulfillment, deep intimacy, freedom, and authenticity. Welcome to the next stage of your evolution. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Art of Attraction with Dominique Drew. I'm so glad you've joined me for this episode. This is going to be fantastic. I have Alex Sanfilippo. We were talking about the correct pronunciation of that name, which is Italian, which I love because my um, grandparents' last name was Del Giudice, uh, which interestingly, not only is just a fabulous Italian-sounding name, Michelina Del Giudice, no less, uh, but also uh, means the judge which really explains a lot of my lineage <laughs> and the kind of issues that I had to work through in order to become quite the, uh, the effortless and confident and self-loving being that I have now become uh, through no short amount of work. Uh, so welcome, welcome. Uh, if this is your first time joining us, then by all means, welcome. Uh, this is a platform where we talk about dating and we talk about relationships uh, most importantly, though, we talk about those deeper, more subtle ways where you're holding yourself back from what you want, regardless of what that is. If that's more clients, or that's a better business, or that's more freedom, or that's more happiness, um, then if there is something in your life which you desire and you do not have it, then there is something that you are doing that is keeping it from happening. And if that sounds absolutely unbelievable to you, then just listen to more episodes because I explain step-by-step exactly how that happens. And it really is the structure of the universe. Uh, I've studied this work for almost 20 years. Uh, Alex and I were just talking uh, about the incredible transformation that I've made over that period of time, um, which I've shared in episodes past from time to time. Um, but today I really want to uh, dive into whatever it is that ends up coming up, because I really trust the process and I like to sort of flow with what's happening. Um, but I really want to kind of start or at least frame the episode as how to succeed by more by doing less. Uh, I know a lot of people out there, they're struggling. They're in that sort of Sisyphus position, right? Where you're just repeatedly sort of rolling that boulder up a hill and then it falls back down to the ground. You just do it over again. It feels like you're just not fucking getting anywhere. So um, with no further ado, uh, Alex, thank you so much for joining me. I'm really happy to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks so much, Dami. I really appreciate it. It's, it's an honor to be here. I've listened to quite a few of your episodes. So it's, it's really cool to be uh, like on this side of the mic. And at some point, I'll be listening to your podcast. and I'll hear my voice come up. So that'll be kind of, <laughs> kind of fun. So thank you. And thank you for getting my last name correct. That's also uh, always a nice bonus. My pleasure. My pleasure. Uh, so, um, so you're here. Uh, tell me a little bit about this um, succeeding more by doing less. I know we're sort of jumping into kind of a random place. I'm sure it'll flow from there. Um, but what is what is that? What is the significance of that to you? Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's a great place to start because I can say that me truly succeeding in life and in the area of happiness, relationships, and just uh, adding value to the world around me didn't begin until I learned how to actually succeed, even on small levels, by doing less in my own life. 
for many years growing up, maybe you'll relate to this, Dominic. I'm not sure. Some of your listeners will for sure because I can't be alone out there. But for a while, I was the guy who was just going to do everything. I mean, I, I hit like 18, 19 years old and I was like, the sky is the limit. I'm going to have 30 yep. jobs. I'm going to do this and that. And oh, that looks like fun too. And I think that in today's world for people that are younger, there's even more distraction because now there's like, there's 30 social media platforms that they can be on by the time they're 15, 16 years old, they can start bringing money potentially. Like there, there's a lot out there, right? And so for many years, that's just kind of the way that I ran my life. I couldn't necessarily focus on any one or two really important things. So I just started going after all of them. And I, I followed where I heard success. So when someone would be like, ooh, I'm having a lot of success over here and it's not costing me a lot to do. Or, ooh, I scaled really fast by doing this. For a long time, because I lacked that, that self-centering in that direction, I was like, I'm going to do that too because they've done it really quick, really easily. It seemed natural for them. Maybe I can do that. And then, oh, I'll do this one too and this one too and this one too. And of course, the rest there is history. But for a long time, I got stuck in the, the idea that in order to do well and make it somewhere in life, I had to do more, not less. I thought that I was being lazy if I did less, but I've come to realize that the opposite is true. And I know we'll dive into that a little bit here, but that's kind of a little bit background on me and kind of why I think this is a great place to start is because truthfully, if you want to succeed, you have to do less, not more. Yeah, but that sounds kind of like uh, like get, gr- get rich quick scheme type of things. What was the difference or were they those? And they just, that ended up, you know, showing you the way from there. Um, yeah. What was the difference there? Some of it, some of it definitely was like, I mean, there's, there's obviously an easy way to, to just talk about like the get quick rich or get rich quick type of thing is definitely like multi-level marketing and stuff like that. Not that you can't make money in that, but that is like a promise that, Ooh, you'll basically have no money, no cost into this. And you can be a millionaire in, in weeks and never have to work again. Right? Like that's not necessarily the things I was talking about. It was more so I saw people that were flipping houses and I was like, that looks really cool. I want to flip houses. And then it was something like, I'd see people that are growing on social media. Actually, back when I got into that was Vine. I don't know if you remember Vine. Yes. <laughs> probably still this day, the funniest social media app. I mean, it made me laugh more than anything else ever has. Yes. But is that still around? Is Vine still out there? No, 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 no. It, it died a long time ago. Um, anyway, I got on there and I decided to give it a shot. That was like one of those things. I was like, I'll, I'll see if I can get some following on here and see how that goes. Needless to say, I'm here talking today. And I can tell you that I did not end up with millions of followers on there or any other social media app. But for a while, you know, you kind of look at those things like, oh, this is, this seems easy. I can just go after that. And yeah, it, it kind of is get rich quick. So that's kind of one way to look at this idea of like, just keep on trying more and more things. But also, if you're going to launch a business, you also have that same, that same internal struggle of like, okay, I'm going to do web design. Maybe I should do graphic design with it. And maybe I should manage social media. Maybe I should do some PR, right? Like there's all these things that you can do, but what it does is it constantly spreads you thin and more than just spreads you thin on your, on your time, it's your energy because your energy can't be focused on one or two main things. It's going in 10, 12 different directions. And that's just a really dangerous place to be. And it, it messed me up for many years of my life. I'm happy to say that's been behind me for a long time now, but uh, for a long time, that's kind of what, what kept me held back in life. That's really huge. Uh, you know, the, the distract, not just distraction, but as you said, the spreading, the spreading too thinly, right? Um, and for me, that's about focus. Um, and I, I've also overcome that, but I also spent a lot of years just like, that was just my default. I just kind of thought that's how things were, uh, or certainly thought that's how I was. And I think it's also something that a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'm, I'm sort of likening it to entrepreneur because I'm, I'm thinking of it within my entrepreneurial adventure. But like really... Uh, you know, same thing if you're, you're, you're dating and you're, you're trying all these different things. Oh, there's this method and there's this method and there's this person. What if I try this technique? Da, 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 da. 
And, you know, for me, I know I didn't start getting successful in my business until I got like laser focused on one thing. And then I dove into that for like two years and I made, you know, started getting really, really successful very quickly. But until that, that focus happened, I was just too, I spread too thinly. Yeah, it's, it's amazing what focus will do. And I really like how, I, I believe it was Robert Kiyosaki that coined this, but, and that's where I first heard it at least, but he uses an acronym for the word focus, which is follow one course until successful. Oh, I one course until oh, me too. When I, when I heard that, that was one of like the first moments in my life. I'm like, okay, I don't follow one course. I follow five or 10 courses at a time and I give up too soon because I'm like, oh, this one actually looks easier. I'll go after that instead. Yes. And uh, yeah, I mean, we do that in, we do that in our dating lives. We do that in our entrepreneurial journeys. We do it in just our lives when it comes to basically looking at what's the most fun to do. We don't commit enough to it and focus enough. We just kind of run after whatever seems like the, the quickest fix, if you will. That's exactly right. I resonate with that so hard. And also I, you know, I've, I've gone pretty far down the, the, the spiritual path as well as part of, you know, in a very sort of grounded and, you know, um, embodied type of way. But I come across a lot of people who, have you ever heard the term spiritual bypass? I've not actually, no. Spiritual bypass is somebody who like does a lot of spiritual courses and things, but then when like conflict comes up, they're just like, oh, I'm just, I'm not going to pay attention to that because I'm like too spiritual. Or I'm like trying to keep my vibration high, so I'm going to ignore that negativity. And it's a defense. They're just uncomfortable Hmm. being in the messy, sticky soup that is being human and relating. And so they're kind of, it's a way of defending, but it's like a spiritual, quote unquote, spiritual way of defending. Um, It's not spiritual. It's it's just using those words. Um, I see a lot of people on that path and they take this course and they take that course and they want to learn this technique and that technique. And they actually, it actually is a defense subtly from going down and actually addressing the underlying problem and really making some real embodied progress. That's what that reminds me of. Yeah, you know, actually what it reminds me of that now that you mentioned that, it is very similar to that when we start deciding where we're going to go, right? The, the direction we want to go in, the business we want to build. And it's not like a linear line of success, right? Like we're, we don't feel it happening naturally. We do the same thing. We're like, oh, it's just not the right business. It's overly saturated or I'm not good at this or I got bad clients. I got dealt a bad hand, right? There's all those things. But the truth is, I don't know what book this was from. I, I reference a lot of books because I do a lot of reading. I read 52 books a year and I love it. Yes. And uh, somebody drew this, this, what they said people think success is. It was just a solid line, right? It was like starting from the bottom and a line with an arrow pointing up really fast. Yeah. And that's what everyone thinks. But then it showed what success actually is. It's like a little line, a big bunch of scribbles all over the place. <laughs> yes. dip way down to the, out by the bottom of the page. And then a slight work back up that takes like 10 years. And that's the thing. That's what it takes to actually be successful. And when you just keep on adding more and more to the plate and you try to do something like that to follow that one course, the truth is the reason a lot of people don't succeed is because they just tried that with too many things. I mean, I'll tell you what, there might be people that are more capable than me because I'm not necessarily the most talented individual in the world. I'm not trying to play myself down or anything like that. But if I'm not focused on one or two things, then everything I do fails. And I have just learned this time and time again. Now, there might be some people listening that can actually successfully do three or four things, but it's very rare to find somebody that can do any more than that. But all of us try to do more than that. Yeah, I think that's really true. What is your, I'm curious, what is your relationship with failure? Yeah, it's uh, fantastic. We've been really close for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably the best answer for that, isn't it? Oh yeah, we've, we've been old friends, old friends. Yeah, old friends. Yep, yep. We, we dated for a while, broke up off and on, you know, that type of thing. Um, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll mention my first really big failure in life that actually held me back for a while. And it kind of got me into this negative trend of pursuing just the, the constant pursuit of more, as I'll call it. What really set me on this cycle was back when I was 
oh man, the, the age is slipping for me. I think it was 19. And it was during the 2006, 2007, 2008 recession, right? Right before that, I started investing in real estate. And I went from being a guy that was doing really well because I had rental properties at 18 years old, 19 years old, wow. doing really well with that, excited about where I was going, really had a little too much pride at that point in my life, I can be honest. And I wasn't smart enough to see that the crash was coming. And when that crash happened, all of my plans were gone. It took me more than 10 years to get out of the debt that I had gotten myself in for making those bad investments, which I just didn't see coming, right? But that failure was what set me on this thing of like, okay, that didn't work. And now I'm in debt and I got to try all these different things at the same time to get myself out of it. But that was my first real big uh, experience with failure. And it took me years to really get myself out of it and to get in the right mindset. But now I've, I've come to realize, because I haven't always read 52 books in a year. And now that I do, I realize that most people that have made it really far in life, whether with their businesses, as an author, subject matter expert, they've all failed more than they've succeeded, like way more than they've succeeded. I mean, think about John Maxwell. He's like, I think if you Google the word leadership or success, he's like, it's his picture that comes up, you know? And, but he, most of his books are talking about failure and how he's made more mistakes than he could ever, than he could ever turn around or anything like that. It's, it's one of those things that we have to get in the mindset of failure is not permanent unless we let it be. And so many of us get defeated by it. And that's what sets us on this motion of, I'm just going to try all these things until something digs me out of this hole I've got myself in. When the truth is, you just have to pick yourself up, clean yourself off and slowly work your way out of whatever situation that you're in. And that's what I had to learn to do at that young age of 19, 20. And yes, it took me a few years, but now that I look back on it, I'm actually thankful for that time. Because if I would have just been in that success, I'd be a real crummy person right now, if I can just be honest. I wouldn't be nice because I was already struggling with pride at that age. I needed that to happen to me to become the man that I am today. Yeah. Yeah, that's an, that's an amazing point. You're, um, you said, this is, I'm just curious about this because I'm not, I'm not really particularly educated in the field of, uh, of economics. You said you didn't see it coming. How would you have seen it coming? What, what signs did you miss? <clears throat> was that something that people could have seen coming? Uh, I mean, I, 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 you know, I only say that because the movie The, the Big Short came out. You know, and I never saw that, but I'm, I, I really want to. I've heard really good things about it. It's about the guys, you know, I'm not going to spoil it, but it's about the guys who bet against the real estate market doing well. Let's put it that oh. way. And so, yeah, really, I, I'm kind of, hindsight's 2020, right? I look back now, I'm like, oh, now I could tell because they're giving all these loans and stuff like that. But really, there was very few people that saw that coming. It, it happened, I mean, it happened at the, the drop of a dime. I mean, it was so quick that it happened. So yeah, there's really nothing I could have done differently. For years, I kept myself in that mindset. You just weren't smart enough, Alex. You weren't good enough. You should have seen that coming. But the truth is, there was just no way. I mean, there were so many of us that didn't. There was another guy who was investing in the same neighborhood I was at that time. And he lost, he lost a lot more than I did. He lost millions of dollars overnight. And I mean, he took it even worse than I did. But he had been investing for 20 plus years and had no idea. So yeah, there really was no way. The big short ruined all of us because we're all like, you watch it and you're like, wow, I probably should have known yeah. that, that was going to well, happen. Obvious now, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. like Movies. Social dilemma. We were talking about social dilemma before, which is yeah. kind of about how like explains how you and your very reasonable and friendly neighbor can have such powerfully different views of the world. You know, you're like a, I don't know, reasonable person. The next person, person lives next to you is like QAnon, you know, full. And you're like, how is this possible? I had this person over for dinner. He's like a reasonable human being. Uh, and it's, it's these, sort of the way social media kind of spins it. And it's, it's this, this is sort of fascinating thing. But yeah, now that I sort of see it, I'm like, oh, yeah, that does seem really obvious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, media will get us. Uh, social media, TV, movies, all of it. At some point, will make you think. Um, most of it's just not reality. And I think that's the, the best thing to remember is to disconnect from that. Uh, not to not watch it, but keep an idea of what's actually fact and real. And that's what's in front of you, right? 
And if you're struggling with that, then don't watch it for a while. Take take <laughs> and spend time outside with your like family or your friends outside. It's great advice. <laughs> so I'm curious as you were as you're speaking, I was sort of imagining what you're saying. And so so you're you're 18, 19 years old. You just got a big cuff, right? You just you just got knocked to the ground um, after a lot of pride was understandable, you know, at that at that age. Um, and then you're talking about the sort of going into the uh, maybe get rich. I don't mean to like dismiss, you know, your no, no, the, not at all. Yeah, with, like, sort of like you know, yeah, shortcuts, trying to shortcut to to, to money. And it occurs to me that that in that space, you must have been coming from a kind of a space of desperation, um, which I think is is really relevant to a lot of people who have been single for a long time or desperately wanting something for a long time and they're trying to get it but it's been so it's been so long or they're they're in the hole kind of like you were that like kind of trying to get out of it um especially with with dating and women I think because that desperation comes across so easily but same thing with sales you know if you're desperate for sales boy is it tough to make sales right um I don't know what was that experience kind of like for you yeah, you know, I I think the way you worded it was actually exactly right, Dominique. If I have to if I have to just be transparent here, that's how I felt. I felt like I I had to dig myself out of this hole and get back to the success I saw. And when I was 19 years old and, and doing well before like the crash happened, I was driving a nice sports car for my age. It, it wasn't like a Ferrari or anything like that, but it was a it was a decent car. And I had a, a girl that I was dating at that time that she was very pretty, like way out of my league type of thing, right? And uh, I realized that as soon as the money was gone, so was she, which I maybe should have seen oh. that at that age, but uh. And, and honestly, like I look back, I wasn't even a nice guy. Like I was a jerk. I was being very prideful for, I think maybe most 19, money. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe like most 19 year olds are like, I don't know. I mean, the people I meet seem to be really nice, but I wasn't. And I'll just be transparent with that. <laughs> I can be honest on your podcast, right? Dominique, is that okay? This is not recorded. Don't worry. It's fine. <laughs> oh, it's not recorded. Right. What's that thing that says recording down the bottom? Um, <laughs> Uh, no, anyway. Uh, yeah. So I had this mindset of, I have to get back to that. Like I've had a taste of this and now I want it. And for a long time, I realized, and now I, I have a, a phrase I'm about to use here, but I realized that I was, I was really wanting to be a person of, of profit. Like I wanted to have a lot of money. I wanted to be recognized. And since then, over the years, that, that mentality has changed. And now I say this on every podcast I'm on, but I seek to be a person of value, not a person of profit. I seek to be a person of value, not a person of profit. And that mindset shift only happened because of the years that I struggled through trying to get back to being that person of profit. And along the way, I realized it, it wasn't adding value to my life. And, and over the years, I've done exceptionally well, like into my late 20s and my early 30s, very well. I'm, I'm very proud of, of, of what I've been able to accomplish. But along the way, I've not ever lost the, the mentality of, you know what, I, I, I'm, I'm just like everybody else. And I'm here to serve other people and love other people. And I think that's the big benefit of what happened to me in my early, in my early 20s is when I really started learning. And I know it, it happened when I was 19. And then uh, later on, I really started learning that. But that's something I still carry with me today. I want to add value to the world and really serve others and help them through some, some things that maybe I went through, they don't have to, and they have some mindset shifts now instead of by having to hit rock bottom for it. Um, but that's really the, the big thing I learned from that. And yeah, it was tough for years, but I'll, I'll tell you what, like it, it taught me a lot about where I am today. Hmm. That's really powerful. Um, I think that, that making that transition, especially at such an early time in life, I mean, that's an incredible amount of perspective to gain at a very young age, <clears throat> which as you said, is just of, of incredible value. Um, it's funny, isn't it? How continuously geared we all all are, uh, on making a lot of money, uh, and being really successful, being really successful according to that definition of success. Um, and, uh, and yet there's all this research out about the happiness levels of people who are at that wealth. And like, 
there's no confusion. There's, there's, there's no like, oh, some research says this and some research says the other. Like, nobody's any happier after like, what is it, like a seventy or $80,000 a year or something like that. Some sort of like 150, I don't know, something like that. You know, some sort of like very reasonable amount of money per year. After that, like you're not any happier. And yet we're all kind of, which on some level, you know, uh, it's like a survival, isn't it? It's like it used to be that, you know, physical strength uh, was was what guaranteed survival because we need you need to beat off animals and things like that and that's why the men were kind of the the, the dominant uh, gender um, and now it's it's money right if you have money you survive if you have a lot of muscles and no money it's like you can't eat it's, it's not gonna well animals right. probably sleep with you and eat but you know <laughs> you knock on the right door but make sure you knock on the right door because if you knock on the wrong door then it's, it's gonna be a mess so just, just check in do your great room. advice great <laughs> advice thank yeah. you from twenty years of your experience that's what you got for us today thank you. <laughs> I'm a person of value too. See, it was great. I'm teaching yeah. you. It's wonderful. And so, anyways, it's quite it's quite fascinating. But I love hearing the story. And I actually just had uh, Tom Jacobs on in the last uh, episode, who I met through Podmatch, which we can talk about in a minute. Um, uh, and he said the exact same thing. He had, oh no, excuse me, I'm sorry. It was Michael Fleischner uh, a couple weeks ago who had, oh yeah, happiness versus uh, happy versus successful. It was a really yes. great episode. Yes. January. January 6th, for anyone who wants to go back and listen to that. January 6th, 2021. Worth the listen, for sure. You. Look at you. All the brownie right. points. You're getting all the brownie <laughs> points. I'm so impressed. And he had the exact same story. It was beautiful. And he did. He had like a, he had a Porsche. And he had and all these things. And he was just like, I was just, you know, I just just didn't do it for me. And it's, it's, so, it's so fascinating. And that's so much of what we talk about here. Oh, I'm definitely sure I'm not good enough. I'm going to live my entire life as if I'm not good enough. And it's just like, what if that were all in your head? Like, what if that didn't actually, like, there's nothing outside of you that's actually even reflecting that anymore, except what you're seeing. We're sort of living in this whole illusion. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. And, and to go back to something you just mentioned, you talked about getting into that like seventy, eighty thousand dollars or even higher than that. It's kind of like where your, your happiness due to money, just that's it. It doesn't go any further than that, right? And that's, that's when technically the American people, I'll speak to just America as that's where I'm at, right? Uh, that's where you hit the line of autonomy becomes more important than, than money. Once you hit 70, I think it's actually $75,000 is like the number. But once you hit that, you can, you can actually live a, a very great life. I and mean, you can go out to eat every day if you want. You're going to never be in big debt. There's never anything bad that's going to happen to you that you can't afford at that point. Like that's technically the line. And at that point, the people that hit it, they're not any happier when they go above it. They just want more autonomy. So they actually realize when they hit that point, they're like, how can I be doing less? Like literally, that's their question. Like, how can I? enjoy my life more because the money isn't doing it anymore. And uh, my dad happens to be somebody who's, who's been very well off over the years. And many of his friends have as well, because that's kind of how that goes, right? But some of the most miserable people I can remember meeting, and I say this as nice as I could possibly can, are some of the people he hung out with. The, the ones that had private jets, the ones that had yachts, the ones that had massive houses. They were the most bitter, unhappy people. And th that was in my mid-20s when I started seeing this, after I kind of really came out of my mess. And I realized, I was like, wow, it's a good thing I didn't have all that because I may have never been happy anyway. Like if you just have that constant pursuit of more, whether it's money, autonomy, whatever it might be, if you can't learn to be happy where you're at with what you have, then you're never going to find happiness because there's always be somebody going further than you, doing more than you, who's better than you, right? I mean, for lack of a better term, and I don't mean to be negative or talk anybody down, but you have to learn to be comfortable in your own skin, where you are with what you have. Life is a journey and we have to enjoy it every step of the way. First of all, give all those people my phone number, my email address, because those are ideal clients for me. I have I'm a sure, yeah. clients who come to me and they're like, I have everything. And I just like, I'm just empty inside. Like, I just don't, <clears throat> there's just nothing. Um, in fact, when I went into the dating niche, I actually considered that specifically as a niche. The, oh, okay. 
know, has it all and still isn't happy is a very specific demographic. And, and the, the process that I use is exactly, I would use the exact same thing as I would with somebody who's struggling with their dating life. Again, for something you want, fulfillment, happiness, whatever, you can't have it, then, then you know, there you are. That's um, interesting. I, I don't, I'll be real. I don't even know how to address that with those individuals. So I'm glad that people like you exist because oh, yeah. I, w- I wouldn't even know where to begin. Like I just oh, avoid yeah. people I like that. Stand out in my head as we're talking about, it. I'm like, I already know, like I would, I would shift the only thing I would shift. Isn't that crazy? I've done this for a long time. This is like, this is like why I'm on the planet. So this is like my, right, yeah. in my zone. Um, but you've sit that, sit one of those people down in front of me and I would listen to them speak for a little while. And the only thing I would shift or be un- uh, not uncertain, like the only thing that would be decided in those first few moments would be um, how I would phrase things because I would phrase things in a way that, that they would sort of understand. I honestly kind of do that automatically, hmm. but like the process is exactly the same. That's, exactly That's interesting. The same. You've got my wheels spinning. I'm, I'm curious. Now I like want to sit in one of your sessions one day just to be a fly on the wall, just to, you know, I'm an intern. If there's <laughs> be open to, uh, to doing that <clears throat> and would and consent to having you, I would, I would actually really like that. I've thought sometimes about, um, so my, my real goal in life, talk about focus, is to bring this work to, uh, is to teach this work on a global level for that exact reason. Not to be the center of attention. I'm not going to lie. I like being the center of attention. It's not. <laughs> a lot of distortions in that area where I was very much like, oh, very much look at me. Um, and so I had, I had a lot to work through. You're Italian, right? I'm what? You're Italian, right? <laughs> I am Italian. Italians seem to have this, 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 I don't know what it is, but this persona about them that they want to be in front of people. They want to be loud. That For some reason, that's just in our DNA, I think. You can't help it. <laughs> yeah, everybody's heard of the Italians. Where are the Lithuanians? I don't know. They're in the back. They're like supporting. They're doing, they're doing, I don't know. Where are the Lithuanians? <laughs> um, and so, uh, yeah. And so this way of kind of like being in front of everybody. And uh, where was I going with that? I don't know. Global level. Uh, oh, and I don't, but, but it's, I've through, uh, again, a lot of using this process on my own work because that's, that's a distortion. So that sort of look at me, uh, childlike part actually was sabotaging me. Hmm. That was actually holding me back because, uh, you know, it was pushing people away. They're like, Oh, I don't want to hire her. She's like, she won't shut up, which I would not have. So that is, that is that. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so what I really want to do is teach people the skill you know, come sit down with me. What are, what are you struggling with? Great. Here's how you work through that every time. And then like sort of get it out on a huge uh, level. And I had some brilliant place I was going with that. And I can't remember what it is right now, but we'll assume that it was beautiful pearls of wisdom. <laughs> I'm sure it was. That's great. <laughs> but this is leading us very smoothly into doing less because you're talking about autonomy. And that's resonating with me so much because when I built this business, I'm sorry, I'm talking a whole lot, but I really want to hear much more from you. Um, when I built this business, I got very, I had to learn sales. That was not my, my gift. I had to like learn it brick by brick. And I got to the point where I was very successful, but I was on the phone all day long. And even though I started making a huge amount of money, I shut it down really quite easily because my freedom is more important to me than making a ton of money. Um, and so for, for people for whom that is the case, um, you know, how do they go? Let's say they're, they're in that Sisyphus place of, of constantly working, not getting any results. Where do they start to, to, to start to shift toward more success with, with less time and effort? Yeah, the very first thing you do actually takes a little bit of time, unfortunately. But the very first thing you have to do is you have to, you have to self-reflect. You have to sit down. You have to take inventory. And those yeah. two things really go hand in hand. And for me, it means I'm holding my phone right now as I'm saying this, uh, just holding it up. Get rid of this for a day. Grab a notepad and grab a pen and actually sit down and really think about 
the things that you enjoy doing, the things that you know are bringing the most return on investment, the things that seem to be the most valuable to the world that you're doing, and then make a list, take inventory, and then write down the other things that you do that that aren't doing that, right? That are not fulfilling, that are draining, that you know are just time wasters, that don't bring in a lot. And really sit down and do this practice. And to some people, if you really want to get serious with it, I recommend doing is follow yourself around for a full week and write down everything that you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dominic, you'll find this actually pretty funny. I had one person take that really extreme and they even wrote down when they were going to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. they're like, yeah, like, like, I even wrote down my bathroom breaks. I'm like, you don't need to do that because you can't do anything about that. So, um, <laughs> but, like, like candy crush, you know, you're in there for 20 minutes. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good point. Maybe I shouldn't have told them that, but <laughs> that's a real, I did not think about that at all. But regardless, the, the idea is you really want to self-reflect. You really want to take inventory of everything you're doing. And, and for me, I like to do this practice regularly. Like I've done this. Like I, I know most of the answers at this point for my own life, but I'll still every quarter. So every three, every third month, I'm actually going somewhere that inspires me getting away from tech, getting away from all that, and really sitting down. And for me, it's the ocean. I live in Jacksonville, Florida, and I'm just a few minutes away from the ocean. I like to just go sit out there on the sand. I don't like to take a towel. Like I literally just sit in the sand, uh, which is weird to most people, but (laughs) that's what I love to do. And I have a pen and paper in hand, and I just sit down. I just listen to the waves, and I I write down everything that comes to mind. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Even though I do this on a regular basis, there's still times where I'm like, you know what I don't enjoy anymore? I don't enjoy managing my own email anymore. Like it used to be a joy to see my emails when I woke up in the morning, and now it's not. And that's one of those things I sit down, I'm like, okay, I know that. What else am I doing that's bringing in more of a joy in my life or bringing in a bigger return on investment? And then when I go back to the office, it's a matter of then you start strategizing those things. But I, I'm going to give you a chance to, to speak in here so I'm not just talking for 10 minutes straight. But this is really, this is where you start with this stuff. Mm, talk for 10 minutes straight. That's great. <laughs> so from there, after you, you've done your self-reflection and you've taken some inventory, the next thing you do is really determine what is the best use of your time. And again, this is when you sit in front of a computer and you decide, okay, Here's a few things I'm doing. So I'll just use my, my company as a, an example if that's okay, Dominia. I'm just going to kind of go with, with podmatch.com is, is my business. It's a software as a service, so a SaaS-based business. Lean startup, bootstrapped. So there's, just a, there's only three of us working in it right now. So I am sales. I am marketing. I am accounting. I am tech support. Uh, I'm the visionary. I'm the guy who jumps on podcasts. Like I'm all those things right now, right? So, and at first when you start a business or anything new in that matter, you really are all of those things. And it's a matter of really figuring out, okay, as you're doing this reflection, what, what's actually working? So for me, for a while, I was doing the social media as well. And I realized that we were spending a lot of time on Instagram. And Instagram for a long time has been like the, the big platform, right? Like that's where everyone says, oh, you got to be going back to that, that whole like doing more thing, right? Like everyone says, you got to be there. They're seeing a lot of success there. I got to be over there. The truth is when we really sat down and evaluated it, one, I, I didn't like it. But I evaluated the numbers. So I came back from reflection time. I looked at the numbers. The amount of business that was coming from Instagram directly was less than 1% of all of our inbound um, onboarding process that we're beginning. It was less than 1%. So I was like, what if we don't do this and we spend more time on LinkedIn, which is bringing up almost 85% of it? What if we spend more time there? And we saw a huge return on investment. We, we dropped our time every day. We were doing this by more than, we cut off an hour of our work per day. And we were able to see more results. That's right there. That is, that is the art of, of, of doing less to get more results, right? Like I was literally doing less and getting more results. And that's the type of thing that you've got to do. And I think to go along with this, many of us, yes, we have to be all, everything at the beginning when we're starting a business, especially if you're bootstrapping, you're not raising money. If it's just you, you have to do all this, but you have to be really smart if you're going to do that. And also as you start bringing in money, you have to think not, you have to think what, you have, sorry, you have to think who, not what. So when you're saying this is what I have to do, this is just part of it. This is how busy it is. I, I have to do this. It's, it's what I have to be doing. Starting about who, 
saying, okay, I'm bringing in money. Could I get a VA to do this? Who else could do this other than me? Is there a fan that's using my product that would not mind maybe answering some tech support stuff if I give them a t-shirt or give them a free pro- professional membership of our product, right? You have to start thinking about, okay, how can what I'm doing be removed from me and who can be doing it instead? And these are all, again, this all kind of goes back to that self-reflection inventory process and really just evaluating the results that you're seeing. And Dominique, I said a lot, so I'm going to get a sip of water and let you talk. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what was coming to mind as you were speaking um, <clears throat> is the, the type of person, I just noticed my system was going kind of quickly, so I'm just going to slow down a little bit, um, is the type of person who uh, really feels, really believes they have to be busy that they that time has to be full and the kind of mindset shift that may not have been necessary for you in that particular situation but may very typically be necessary uh, for a person who um, to, to go for to, to let go right even if you don't like doing those things we get in these patterns we're doing shit we don't actually even want to do mm-hmm. um, but we hold on to it right? That's the biggest um, obstacle that I come across in my coaching work is that is people who don't want to let go of their shit. That's out of my control. I'm not going to force you. That's that's neither my job nor my right to do to take something from you that you want to keep. All I do is reflect it back. I show you how, you know, why what you're doing is giving you what you're you're getting. um, And then you can choose whether to keep it or not. And usually it's fucking up your life. And usually you you, you want you don't want to keep it. But there are where it's like this process of just, uh, really having to go all the time. And that, um, you know, you're, you're probably familiar. That's, that's a defense. That's a, that's a way of not feeling, right? Was that something you came across as well? Yeah. You know, when, when I first started this, this journey of reflection, the very first time I did this, someone, it was like a mentor in my life was like, Hey, Alex, you need to get away for a few days. And so I was like, all right, I'll, I'll get a hotel. Like I'll go an hour South. So I just stayed an hour South, like on, on the beach. And I was like, and I'll just get alone and not having my phone, not having music, not having TV, was one of the scariest moments of my life, if I can be honest. It, maybe it sounds overly dramatic or weird, but like I was addicted to being busy at that point. I had lived a life of do more, get more, right? That was kind of my, my mentality for years. So when I finally slowed down and didn't have anything to do to keep me busy, I realized I actually didn't really like my headspace. Like it was kind of like scary because I'm like, wow, I'm just sitting here. I'm not doing anything. Is the world still going to turn? Like... Am I going to go home and the whole world is just burnt down because Alex took a break? Or like, you know, that's literally what I thought. And I'll tell you what, I didn't, um, to just tie in a relationship, like I'm, I'm happily married now, but for years, I'd say the thing that probably kept me single the longest was my inability to stop and to actually just enjoy the moment that I was in. And uh, for the, the way that Dr. Ivan Meisner, the guy who created BNI, the way he says is to be where your feet are, mm-hmm. be where your feet are, which just means wherever you are in that moment, be there. Mm-hmm. And I, I see this problem and it was me a long time ago. Like I could be hanging out with you right now having this conversation and my mind is like, I wonder if I'm going to be able to email those people later tonight or if I have to do it tomorrow. Yep. You know, like, or you're, you're on a date with somebody and you're like, oh, I wonder what I'm going to be doing tomorrow in the office. And like your mind just goes there. I get it's tough, but like you, you, you kind of gain control of this when you learn to get comfortable in your own skin and be alone and stop being busy all the time. I think it's really bad for us. It's so bad for us, which is the you only thing it doesn't work, right? It's yeah. Like, fucks up our life because it's, it's, it's unnatural. It's not where our system wants to be. I heard somebody yesterday say this. They said, when was the last time you were bored? Because I can remember as a kid, like before there was the internet and stuff like that. And my mom was just like, go outside. I'm like, I'm so bored today. I'm like, I haven't been bored in a long time because if I'm bored, I just pick, or if I even, that, that mind, that mindset's even tempting me, pick up my phone and start scrolling through it. Like there's no such thing as boredom anymore. And it's probably healthy to be bored. I don't, I don't know. 
you, you know more on this topic than I do, but me thinking, I'm like, there's probably something there. No, I think what you're, what you're saying is exactly right. Uh, boredom in particular, as in uh, a desire to get out of the present moment is actually a defense. Interestingly, a lot of people don't know that. Um, only because you could find fascination in emptiness, right? It is, it is, if you go that route, it's like you could look at a, at a, at a a branch or a rock and find just fascination for hours. If you can get yourself into the space where you can find joy in just being, but the step below that is you can't find joy in it. And so in that emptiness, and so there's boredom, but what you're talking about is the, the point is still well taken, which is you're talking about space. Like there's no room to just let your mind wander. And I think maybe you and I don't know how old you are. I'm 37. I feel like our, our generation is kind of like right around, I don't know, maybe every generation says this, but like kind of like the last generation that got to like get put out, you know, got put out with like with the dogs, like go out, go outside and play for a while, like go out and like, okay, and off I would go. And I don't know, I'd play with rocks and I'd get dirt under my nails and I'd break things and I'd, you know, eat dirt. I don't know, whatever. Like, and it was, it was, it was glorious. And now it's so scheduled and so managed and so controlled. I have a great podcast episode on control. And I actually end up talking about parenting. I'm not a parent. I don't have children. Um, But like, that's where I see it happening is like people just not being able to let go of, oh my gosh, don't touch that thing. There could be a snake. Of course there's a snake. Let them find the snake. Right. Yeah, exactly. Rattlers where I was. God knows what was out there. Yeah, it should be fine. Get out there and go play. Hey, I grew up in Florida. The whole thing's a swamp. So if I wasn't getting yeah. attacked by an alligator or a snake, there was something wrong. So that, that was my childhood. <laughs> I haven't seen alligators lately. Really? What are you in the middle of downtown? Like where, where are you <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of joking around a little bit here. I, I wasn't chased by alligators or snakes or anything like that. But yeah, they were out there. My mom knew that. But yeah, we lived in a different generation and there was much less news and things like that. And I think that the fear that now comes with, with parenthood, because you can go to Google and be like, how many ways can my child die? Like God. 20 years ago, 30 years ago, that, that research wasn't exactly out. Now it's like, hey, don't let your kid breathe or they might die. Right. Like, so anyone's ever Googled anything remotely like that, go listen to my podcast episode on control. Listen, I'm going to listen. I want to hear it myself. Yeah, I definitely want to, I want to hear that. I'm interested. I think that we probably think the, the same way about it. But you know, the truth is like a lot of a lot of parents and stuff like that these days, and I'm not a parent either. Um, but a lot of them that, that I even know that they're they're very fearful for their kids when our parents generations ago were like, you're going to be fine, like, go out there and have and have fun. And now everyone's like, Oh, my gosh, it's so scary. When the truth is, if you actually look at the the world, um, there there's this really great book. Um, and I'm, gonna, I'm totally blank on the name. It's not in English. Uh, I don't know how I found an English translation of this, but it was a guy in Denmark who, who wrote, did all his research. And basically, he discovered the world is actually safer and healthier now than it was even 10, 20 years ago. But we're more full of fear and we won't do the things we used to do thinking that we're going to get hurt and things like that. But really, there's less to be concerned about now than there was. And, and it, it's an interesting thing. I know that's a little off topic today, but um, it's okay. just it's fascinating. That's a hundred percent. I agree with you a hundred percent. And I think that, that the, the words you're using um, are exactly the right words. Uh, and they're not the words people usually use. The words you're using are fearful. Mm-hmm. That, that is the word. It's not more protective. It's not more careful. It's, it's helicopter parents. It's, it's and we're not <laughs> parenting, right? It's just, it's like our lives in general. It's a hundred percent. We are well-fed. <clears throat> we are well-clothed. All of our needs are taken care of. 2010, we produced on the earth enough food to feed 18 billion people and still oh, people wow. starve. Like there is plenty and yet we live, you know, every need is taken care of. 
um, for for you know certainly all the countries were in, in the West, right in the in the yeah. Western world. Every need is taken care of for just about everybody or a, a lot of people, and and yet those people are miserable, right? And the people yeah. actually, you know that 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 tend to be happier are like right around that sort of medium. It's when they don't have the the capitalistic. It's more the sort of the uh, not quite socialist. Uh, I can't remember exactly what it's called. Soci- socio something, um, socialist ish, um, socialist ish countries. Um, where that's a real word. I'll take it. That's good. It's a word now. <laughs> Don't look it up. Uh, and they're 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 the happiest. They're the they're the seventy five thousand people. You know, seventy five thousand dollar a year people. Yeah, it's true. You know, and to kind of tie this into to businesses because that fear transcends transcends right into our businesses as well, right? Like when you're starting up, like you. Again, when you hear people saying you need to do this, you go after that pursuit of more. Once again, you're like, okay, I got to be here, got to be here. But there's a lot of things that we do in business. And when I talk to people, I'm doing coaching and things like that. And I talk to them about, hey, like, why are you doing this in your business? Oh, because I have to. It's a really common thing I hear. Oh, I because I, I have to. And my, my response is always, says who? And they're like, well, everyone else, every, like everyone else in this line of work, they're, they're doing this. I'm like, well, why do you have to do it? And usually I find that people cannot give me an answer as to why they're doing something that they hate, that isn't their core business. And there's just no reason they're like, well, because everyone else is doing it. And that's kind of like the fear that's been driven. Like they were just like, oh, you have to do this or you won't succeed. So everyone's like, well, then we have to do that. But the truth is, if you sit back and evaluate your business, evaluate where your life's going, there's a lot of things that you do every day that don't make any sense at all for you to be doing. It's just adding more pain to your life or suffering to your life for, for no apparent reason or trade-off. I'm so glad you asked that question. Not enough people ask that question. Why do you think you have to? Uh, and I, I imagine the, the the real answer. I'd be curious to know if your clients actually come to this. Is I I think that I should. Yeah, I've definitely I've definitely heard that. It, yeah, I mean that's exactly why it's usually like, oh, I need to because of this. Like, there's a because, and it's like a giant because, and it's like because this company did it ten years ago, right? Like, but it's true in almost every business. Like when I I came from the aerospace industry for years, I got into into aerospace, and that's that was big corporate that I was working for, and there was procedures. I was over profit margins and processes of the organization. And when I was coming in, like making some changes, I'd go look at process and be like, okay, so why do we do this? And I'd tie it back to the person who was like kind of the first touch point of it, right? Why do you do this? And be like, oh, the guy who used to work here said we need to do this. I'm like, you don't know why we do it? I'm like, and there's 10 people after you doing the same thing because you're doing it, but you don't even know what the point is. And so some of the, some of the processes are like, let's just take that out and see what happens, see what breaks. And so we test things like that. And to our surprise, most of the time when we would actually pull something away or make a tweak on it, you'd actually see a positive benefit instead of negative. So, so many of us have just been wired to say, this is how things work, so I'm going to do it. And if you just keep on doing things, because it's air quotes here, how things work, you're never going to make it anywhere. You're just following the same pattern that somebody else has. And that's not a pattern for success. That's a pattern for being busy, as we've been talking about. That just brings it full circle back to being busy again with your life. Yes, it's a direct path to mediocrity. It's a direct path to more of the same. Oh, I'm so excited about that. Uh, I, I saw that in your um, uh, that you you were in aerospace. I'm kind of a, a science geek. Uh, tell me what what was your what was your field and when what were you doing? And <laughs> it's just so excited to hear it. Huh? it it's so, it's so boring because here here's the thing. Here's why I say that. Like so when people when people hear I'm in aerospace, especially when we used to go to like I don't know if you remember this, but we used to actually go to in person like meetup groups and like. Uh, networking events and stuff. That. Also, do you remember shaking people's hands and like hugging? Yeah, that was- hugging? I don't even remember what that feels like. Um, <laughs> anyway, so when I used to go to these events, I'd be like, yeah, I'm in the aerospace industry. People were like, oh my gosh, have you been to space? And oh my <laughs> gosh, are you a fighter pilot? Are you a skydiver? 
Like all these things, I'm like, no, I'm not into those things. I sit behind the computer. That goes on the spaceship, and I spent my entire career designing that screw, and it's the best screw in the planet. That, that's more realistic. And my job wasn't even that. I literally, I didn't even design anything. I was in charge again of the company's profit margins and processes. So all I did was sit behind a computer, manage five teams of people, and they were all responsible for, okay, why is this not profitable enough? Let's see how we can bring that profit margin up, or let's look at why this takes three weeks when I think we could get down to two, and let's let's review that. So when I tell people that, they're like, oh, that's the aerospace industry you're in? So it, it was kind of like a universal job. It could be in any industry. I just happened to be in aerospace. And yes, I worked with the engineers. I worked with the pilots. I worked with people on the ground and stuff like that. It, it was really cool to do, but I was never one of those guys. So I was the more boring side. And sometimes I let off with that when I introduced people. People were like, what do you do? I'm like, I'm in aerospace, but I'm not an astronaut pilot or <laughs> any of those things. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't imagine that you'd have as many experiences outside of aerospace uh, as you do if you weren't, uh, if you were an astronaut, the pretty true, done true eight years old until you're 80. Um, so, so you're in aerospace. So I, I like this because it sounds like you have a, a core quality of efficiency. Would that be accurate? Yes. Yep. Yeah. So I'm actually, I'm actually the same way. I'm naturally drawn toward efficiency. My eye naturally goes toward things that are not efficient and I want to, I want to fix them. And I, I think, and I'm curious to know if this is the same for you, uh, that's what makes part of what makes me a really good coach. Um, uh, compared, and you may you you've probably had people come to you who have also been in therapy, <clears throat> and uh, and therapy and therapy is great. Anybody listening, if you have you know if, if that's your option, go get therapy. It's wonderful. Everybody should do it. And it also takes like a really long time um, because it's it's somewhat indirect um, as far as uh, they'll kind of just let you talk, um, and there is value in that, except that. You know, if you're talking to me and I'm listening to you talk and you say something that there, there's a distortion, I'll stop you and I'll point it out. And so very quickly, you, you learn to recognize your own distortions and you're like, oh shit. And then later in that very same conversation, this happens in one session, later in that conversation, you go, you, you do the same thing and you go, oh, I just did it again. And bam, you've got that new awareness. You've recognized your thinking. Oh, that's the thinking that fucks me up. Oh, okay. Oh, that's interesting. Um, do you find, do you find the same? Yeah. And I just call it challenging the process. Yeah. That's literally what I call it. Like I, I hear people say something, I'm like, I'm like, hold, like, hold on, like, why? You know, it's just kind of, I'm definitely like a probing question type of guy. Like, I'm really not very confrontational. Like, I'm not big into it. So whenever I do these, I, I usually start like, hey, why do you think that way? Can you explain it to me? I want to understand. And you know this to be true. When people start talking and trying to explain something that they are doing that's not efficient, they get, people are smart. They can usually figure out themselves and they start talking. They're like, actually, I don't know why I do that. You know, and then you can kind of get into it. So that's my non-confrontational way of getting into like, the nitty gritty with somebody, right? There's no need to confront, is there? Because you're there, you have the same agenda. Your agendas are a lot. Yes. You want to stop fucking up. I want to help you stop fucking up. You've hired me to help you stop fucking up. And so like, great, we're, we're all on the same page. And so I find that I sort of point something out and they go, oh, oh yeah. And then they, it, it, it looks like magic just by virtue of having a different perspective and having somebody, you know, point out and look a different way. 100%, you, you couldn't have said it better. I, I couldn't agree more with that. Yeah, I love it. Um, so, so tell me, so you, I found you on Podmatch and, and Podmatch, is it okay if I give a little plug there? Oh, uh, always, of course. It's not needed, but I always appreciate it. Good. Uh, so, um, so Podmatch is, um, uh, really cool. I've actually been having a lot of fun with it, um, is, uh, some software where you can, um, you sign up. It's not very expensive. It's really affordable. And you put on your podcast on there and then it sets, um, hosts up with guests, which is really, uh, really a useful thing. And you can kind of, um, find out who, you know, who you like and who works for you and, um, 
and things like that. And that's, of course, the, the thing that, you were, <clears throat> that you've been describing so far, the um, software that you've been, or the business that you've launched. Um, so the, the coaching, what kind of coaching are you doing, are you doing now and, and, and who should be looking you up? Yeah, it's mostly around podcasting. So that's that's just kind of the, the niche we're in, right? Like I have a podcast as well. And that's kind of who I talk to a lot or it's people that are early on in their startup phase. Podmatch, yes, very early on, not necessarily my first business. So I have a little bit of expertise there. And I talk around, talk more about like processes and profit margins. Like these are the things that, that my background is in. So I try to stay in my lane. But a lot of what I find is I'm, I'm talking to, to a lot of podcasters these days. And uh, I, I meet with a lot of them before the whole pandemic and everything shutting down. I was speaking at about 12 events a year, different conferences around the United States mostly. And uh, a lot of it was, again, geared toward podcasting. So it's kind of been my space. And that's something that I've really just, I've kind of let happen naturally. I don't, I don't seek that out or pursue it very much. But when somebody comes around that, that looks like somebody that, oh, I could definitely add value here, then I go for it. So I don't necessarily actively pursue that right now. But something that I definitely enjoy doing, I love helping others along the way, because I wouldn't be here today if I didn't have the people pouring into my life along the way, the way that they did. Mm. Well, and this is <clears throat> nowhere near uh, my place uh, whatsoever, but it would be something that um, should you feel a, a, a draw to it would be very useful. Um, the way you sit in your system and the way you hold um, the things that work and the things that don't work in your system um, as you speak um, is, is incredibly, would be incredibly useful um, as, as a coach. If that were something that you wanted to draw, that would be, that would be you could provide a lot of value to the world, I think. That's interesting. I like to, we'll talk about that offline. I like that. I think that's that's a really interesting concept. Thanks for saying that. Yeah, absolutely. And not everybody does. I mean, there's oh, terrible coaches out there. Oh my god, <laughs> no one. I mean, and in the spiritual world, oh my god, there's just there's so much spiritual bullshit. We were we were talking actually before we uh, started recording about spiritual bypass, um, which is people who are like too spiritual to feel their feelings, or like too spiritual for conflict, or or like. Oh, that's just that's just you dealing with your stuff, and you know I'm just going to stay in a positive mindset. I have another. <laughs> I don't know why I'm thinking of all these past episodes in this episode, but I have this episode called the uh, the the downfalls of positive thinking or the bullshit of positive thinking or something like that. It's one of my favorite episodes. So I was like, this is crap. Like that is you are bullshit, <laughs> bullshit yourself, and the only one who's losing is you. Um, but spiritual bypasses when you do that uh, that kind of defense in a way with sort of very spiritual or or evolved language, um, but still, you're just kind of evolving, you know, um, avoiding reality. Right. So I have to say, this is so funny. My, this is what stuck in my mind when you were talking about taking time off, really retreating. And uh, you were talking about being on the beach, and you specifically said you don't sit on a towel, um, that you like to sit right on the sand. <laughs> I could feel that when you said it. Like you transmitted mm-hmm. that super well. It's like, oh, there's something about that. Um, this is a sort of a, a little bit random, but what is it about that? What is the difference there? That causes- yeah, so I'll try not to go too like uh, too deep with this, but um, there is science behind this. I encourage you to look it up. I think you can just Google the word earthing is the, what the actual term for it. But there is a uh, electromagnetic connection between human beings and the earth. Like lightning strikes the earth and you can get that electric, like basically that electricity from it. And it's, I'm not explaining it very well, but regardless, it's been proven to actually be very healthy for you. So this isn't some like weird stuff that's out like that I'm just making up. Science will tell you that directly. Okay, cool. Science will tell you that connecting directly to the earth is good for you. And for me, if you think about it, like you're, you're always wearing shoes. And if you're not wearing shoes, you're usually in your yard, which is just covered with all kinds of pesticides and stuff like that. Or you're walking on a sidewalk or 
some sort of concrete. How often and when was the last time to all your listeners that you actually directly stood on the earth that was like not a man-made part of it or something like that? So for me, the ocean is, is that spot. So that's why I like to sit directly on it. I'm, I'm barefoot. I'm in my, my feet are in the sand. And I just find it brings a connection. Yeah, I don't necessarily like feel anything from in that moment. But I do know that science says that that's actually healthy for me. And if I'm going to be reflecting and sitting there trying to be quiet, I might as well do it somewhere where science says that this is a good place to do that type of thing. And on top of that, I just love it. Like a lot of people hate the sand. I mean, I know people here are like, Alex, I can't believe you sit in the sand. It gets everywhere. And I'm like, I love it. Like I'll, I'll, I'll lay down and make some, some, who knows, like some sand angels. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, all, I'm game for it. <laughs> yes, I love that. That's, that's, just, that's just what we were talking about with the, the opposite of the spiritual bypass, the diving into the, the mess of life. Just like, yes, it just like revel in it. I just had a client uh, I was talking about uh, today and she was, she was uh, sort of fearful and not really kind of diving in the negative, uh, negative experiences, avoiding negative experiences. And I was like, you can absolutely avoid negative experiences. Do you want to live 50% of life or do you want to live 100% of life? She was like, I want to live 100% of life. Definitely, 100%, very, very vehemently. I was like, okay, cool. So the extent to which you are unwilling to feel those negative feelings, you are unable to feel positive feelings. So you're literally narrowing your range of acceptability of life because you're deciding you're unwilling to feel a certain amount. So just that like, that like diving in, you know, that, that grounding, grounding is actually, that's, that's what's happening energetically when you do that. Oh, it's called grounding. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. See, well, you know more about this than I do. Great job. <laughs> no, I think, well, I'm speaking on a different level though. I think the scientific thing you're talking about is called earthing, right? Or, uh, yeah. 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 Um, but what's actually happening there energetically is you're grounding, you're connecting to the earth. And that's incredibly good for you. Cause as you said, we evolved hundred percent with zero shoes and no evil has taken part and uh, has taken place in the last, you know, 10,000 years or whatever since shoes have been around. Uh, so we're the same creatures, but, but totally cut off from the thing that we're, that we're sort of meant to be uh, connected to all the time. Uh, so I, I really, I, I enjoyed hearing about that connection. That was great. Yeah, it's good. I'm glad you feel the same way. We're on the same page there. That's great. Big time. <laughs> kind of makes me want to go to the beach too. Um, so the, the, the doing nothing, I really appreciate you uh, going in and really describing in, in useful detail. I'm going to have you, um, uh, uh, recap with that, if you don't mind, the the exercise that you that you um, recommended earlier, because I think that was incredibly useful. Uh, for me, it was bringing to mind, I'm, I'm a horseback rider, and I, I rode for 25 years pretty competitively. Oh, wow, okay. A period of time where I, um, I had to learn to sit on the horse and do nothing. Hmm. And in case I haven't made it clear thus far, I was a really big doer. Like, I was not... <laughs> that was not a thing. And it was pretty far in. I mean, I'd probably been riding for 15 years at that point. Uh, and I was, then she was like, can you just like sit and like not do anything? And I was like, I don't, uh, what? Um, because there was a sort of on a deeper level, everything's a microcosm of everything else. There was on a deeper level. It was really hard for me to just sit and tolerate myself. And I think that's a lot of what's really happened during the pandemic. You know, people are talking about all these like mental health issues. It's like, well, you know, yes, it's definitely less awesome to stay inside when you don't need to. But like, we were only quarantined for like a few weeks, right? Like for the most part, going outside has pretty much always been an option. Um, if you, as long as you can get sort of relatively away from people, which I think most people can. Um, I think it really came down to this inability to like sit and be with yourself. And in your story, when you talked about your mentor, well done him or her, by the way, um, who said, get away. And you got away and you actually just sat and tolerated yourself and you, you were able to see yourself so clearly and realize you weren't really that into what you were seeing. 
Yeah, you know, it, it's it's so true, and I think that all of us we we have to take that that initiative and that that leap of faith to to give this a shot. I mean, for people that are listening that have not sat alone by themselves for even just if if you if it scares you that much, do an hour or two. Just start with whatever you can. If it freaks you out too much, then stop. I mean. For years, I'd say my biggest fear was the silence in my head because I wouldn't, I didn't want to go to that until my mentor was like, dude, get your stuff together and go do this. And it being one of the healthiest things for me. So I mean, that's, that's the place for everyone to start. And if you've not done this practice, you'll start getting, you'll start longing for it. Like you'll want to go back to that place because you realize how much you were able to get from that. I can still look back to that, that time years ago now when I sat alone in that hotel room and out on the beach by myself and and was taking these notes and things like that, I can still tie back to that time. So many things I've been able to achieve since then, just from that one thing. And I do this every quarter now, and it's not a full day. It's usually just two, three hours at a time, but it's so healthy to continuously do. You're going to learn a lot about yourself and about what you really want. And that's, that's really important. And the, the alternative is just keep on going and doing more stuff until something sticks, right? And chances are, the world we live in today, nothing's ever going to stick if you just keep on trying things. You've got to sit down. You've got to recenter yourself. You've got to focus and figure out what's right for you and what you really want. And only you can tell yourself that. Like You can't expect someone else to give you the direction of that. It's going to start with you knowing who you are inside. Amen. Mm. That's, that's pretty much what, this, what we wrap up in this podcast. That's pretty much the entire thing. So there were certain uh, steps. Can you outline the steps of what they need to do? Yeah. So step one is to to obviously to reflect, right? To, to get yourself alone to go do that. The th- second thing is while you're there, take a notepad, pen and paper and start writing everything down that you're doing. And if you really want to take it to the next level, go home and write those things out while you're doing them. So on a Tuesday, if you're like, I spend three hours on a Tuesday responding to emails, let me just write that down. Go for a week, do all that, and then go back to it, look at it. And instead of saying, this is what I have to do, the first thing you can do is say, okay, who else could do this? Like, am I bringing any profit? Could someone else do this? Is there a fan that could do this? Could my wife help me with this? Could my friends help me with this? Is there something else I can do? Or does this even need to get done? And stop looking to the world standards. Really find out for yourself. Be like, what would be the effects if this wasn't happening anymore? And is it worthwhile? And on the flip side, what are the things that are working really well in my life? Can I do more of those? And how can I do more of those things? And again, this practice there's not a lot of technical stuff going on here. Like I'm just saying that you need to sit down and really be present in your life and stop being so busy for once so you can actually see these things. And those are my steps. I think they're very, they're pretty practical, Dominique. I don't know if, if you agree or not, but I think those are pretty practical and people could do that today if they wanted to. A hundred percent. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much. Cause that's a, that's a, a different approach than I've, I've really um, put out here. So I think that's of, of really high value. Guys, if you're regular l- listeners uh, of this show, I'm 100% behind that exercise. That is a very useful, it's very aligned with what you learn here. It's very aligned with other exercises. If you do other exercises that I have um, put out to you, um, if you do have a podcast, are you looking for podcast clients? Right now, no. I mean, I'm definitely looking for people to check out my show. So creating a brand, I love to hear feedback from other podcasters because that's how I continuously grow. That's about what I'm looking for. Great, awesome. So check out creating a brand. Um, uh, I I'm, I can't wait to listen to it. I'm really excited. Um, it has been uh, really wonderful having you on the show. Um, I think that um, for me, as I said, the, the way that you um, you hold what you've gone through, the way that you've grown, the, like what you've done, right? Everybody experiences life. It's how they um, it's how they uh, integrate it through their system, right? Um, and and you've done it in a, in a really well, very very well, from what I can tell. Um, and uh, you hold that as a as a, a really good model. So I really appreciate you uh, coming on and uh, being on the show. And check out creating a brand, Senor San Filippo. Thank you so much for joining me. 
Um, this has really been uh, a wonderful, uh, wonderful conversation. And we went some very, very cool places. And thank you so much. Absolutely. Yeah, I really appreciate you having me. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. Good. My pleasure. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been a fantastic episode. Um, go ahead and download and subscribe to the show. Uh, rate me if you love the show. If you don't love the show, don't even worry about the ratings. It's not a big deal. Um, go ahead and find me on uh, Facebook. If you are interested in coaching, um, this is the type of thing that even just a few one-off coaching sessions, if you're like, oh, I don't want to do a whole thing or a program is too much or whatever, reach out to me, uh, find me on Facebook, find me on Instagram. I'm on there. I'm personally answering messages, uh, set up a call with me and we'll talk about an option. This is the type of thing where even a session or two can completely change the trajectory of your life. So if you want to accelerate this process that you are on, that is the way, as you can hear again, um, Alex pointed out having a mentor just changed everything, right? Without that advice, he might still be sort of, uh, you know, spinning wheels and not really going anywhere. So uh, it really makes all the difference. All right. Thank you so much for joining me and I will see you next time. Bye guys. Thank you for joining me for this episode of The Art of Attraction. This is Dominique Drew signing off and reminding you that if you love this podcast, please hit that subscribe button, rate us five stars, and most importantly, share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. See you next time.